welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Me, Kate Borsay, with you this week and no Lindsay Hooper. She's moving house today and we all know that there'll be a story to be had after that happens. So this week, with me, two very special guests. First up, a man who's recently made a summer transfer all of his own, heading over to footballing powerhouse The Athletic. That's right, it's women's football writer and source of all authority on the matter. We're very lucky. Kieran Tavum, hello. Oh my God, that is pressure with an introduction like that. But thank you for having me, Kate. Pressure indeed. And alongside Kieran, a woman for all occasions and most frequently billed on this show as the multi-platform, multi-talented, multi-named broadcaster, it's Anne-Marie Batson. Hello, hello. <laughs> Wonderful to have you both with me. And look, it feels like we can breathe a sigh of relief now, doesn't it? It feels like we are up and running. Weekend one, over and done officially into the Barclays Women's Super League. No turning back now, anyone. By the way, it's too late. And what a welcome back it was. Record attendances, not just in the thousands, but the tens of thousands. More on that in just a second. First up, let's go straight to our first game. In fact, it was the very first game of the weekend and the game that you were at, Kieran, the Manchester Derby. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, this one won the attendance battle of the weekend. Manchester City hosted their derby game against newly promoted United in front of over 31,000 fans at the Etihad. City ran out 1-0 winners, but United held up well in the first 45 with the best chance of the half. City, though, showed their class after the break with the first goal of the new WSL season from Caroline Weir. What a gorgeous one it was too. Lovely first touch and then a belter of a left footer. Weir, decent hit, wonderful goal. The first ever in a Manchester derby in FAWSL is an absolute blinder scored by Caroline Weir. Kieran, United could have scored first. It was a good first half from them, were it not for City goalie Ellie Roebuck. So just tell us your thoughts on United and whether you were surprised watching it, just how well that they were holding up against City, particularly in that first 45. Yeah, I don't think I was surprised by how well they they set up and how well they settled. I think what probably surprised me is how slow Manchester City came out of the blocks. They had the majority of the crowd behind them. Fair play to the Manchester United fans. There was a good block of them behind one of the goals. But I actually thought United had the better of the first half. And as you say, a, a good opportunity for Jane Ross in that first half. It was a good ball from, from Leah Galton from out wide. I think the ball probably was a little bit high for Jane to get her foot through it. So she's had to try and place the ball. But superb save from Ellie Roebuck, point blank, right in front of her. And if that goes in, maybe you have a different game. But I, I thought United were were very comfortable that first half. That City didn't really trouble them that much. And let's not forget, I know they've got some players that haven't played at this level, but they've got world-class, got a world-class player in Jackie Gronan in midfield, who I thought was excellent and covered every blade of grass and uh, you know they they are no they're going to be no pushovers I, I thought they they made a good statement in that opening weekend against a team that was in the Champions League last year and of course the occasion you're going to play that a little bit aren't you it's a derby they're going to be up for it you've got players like Katie Zellum who came through the academy so yeah but even so considering that it is a step up for them and in front of a big crowd at the Etihad you would have forgiven them for a bit of stage fright for perhaps stuttering a little and they didn't the fact that they were on top after the first half the goal from Caroline Weir and Marie, a fantastic start to the weekend. How was her game as a whole? And although Kieran was surprised by City, do we do we need to be worried about them as a whole this early on? I'm not sure about that one. I think, you know, Nick Cushing would have, would have wanted to win that match as a statement and intent, and he's done that because he's going to be feeling the pressure from the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's of this world for sure. So they got the win. But it wasn't the win that I thought. I thought that it would have been at least two or three 
against United just to show that they are the dominant powerhouse. What I didn't get the sense of is the rivalry between the two. And I'm hoping that will grow over a period of time because you want that. These are the two big teams in the women's game in the same city. And I'm hoping that rivalry will start to develop now, that grittiness that they that City can bring to their game. You know, one nil win, you know, they'll take it. It's a win. But I think Nick Cushing would have wanted a more comprehensive win, if that makes sense, just to show a statement of intent similar to Chelsea which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit well if you're a fan of tech and you want to have a look at that Caroline Weir goal the tech at the Etihad so good that we can see this 3D view if you pop onto social media of the rocket goal from Caroline Weir well worth a look let's talk about the attacking threat at City Kieran you're a bit underwhelmed in the first half did they come back into it in the second half and are we should we be worried about the fact that until Ellen White comes back they may be missing a little bit up front. Yeah, they did come back into it in the second half. I think Nick Cushing, he's a, he's a very, very good coach and I'm sure he said all the right things at half-time. I actually think City started to come into it when Casey Stoney made an adjustment to her formation. She took Lotta Ockfist off their left-back and, and kind of reverted to a back three and what that did is it allowed Man City to get a little bit of space down the sides and and that's when they were, were really on top. But look, I, I think City losing someone like Nikita Paris to Lyon and, and obviously having Ellen White out injured, that does leave a hole in, in the side. But they have someone like Georgia Stanway, who I think will continue to grow into that number 10 role at City and, and really be a threat for them. And, and I think much like Ellie Roebuck is, is probably the future of that club if she decides to stay for as long as she, as she chooses to. I've said it on a, a couple of other um, shows and, and articles that, that have kind of been out there that I think it's a big season for Janine Becky, the Canadian international. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity for her to show, to show what she's made of. She comes with a big reputation. She plays very well for her national team. I'm yet to see her at her best at the club level. She's struggled a little bit in the United States and I don't think we've seen the best of her at City yet. But if she can fire and if she can get going, then she could be potentially the player that fills that void. Someone I wanted to mention, United's Leah Golton. Good game for her and she actually looks like she'll be really useful for United. She's from Leeds originally, but she developed her game over, over in the US and we're seeing a lot of that this time around. Players who've gone through the college system over in the US who are coming back now to play for the WSL. She had a, a brief time at Bayern Munich, Leah, but but she's back here for United. How important will players like her be? So you you know players players with that with that work rate and that reliability because she she certainly made a nuisance of herself. Yeah, Leah's got a lot of a lot of attributes that suit the style of the women's Super League. And actually, I was with Casey Stoney last week and. And Casey was asked by someone else, like, who's who's the player that, that you, we need to look out for at United? And she named a few, obviously, as she would being the head coach, but Leah Galton was one of them. Uh, Leah's got great pace. She's got that ability to get a defender's one-on-one. You don't want to be up against her as a defender. She's got good delivery into the box. I saw a lot of her when she was at Sky Blue FC in the NWSL a couple of years ago. And she was one of the standout players for that club. She got a move to Bayern Munich, which didn't work out for her for reasons that, that haven't really been made public. But I think she's found a home at Manchester United now. I think she's she's enjoying it there. She's got a great coach in Casey Stoney to work with. And I do think she'll be a real asset for them. She'll be a threat. She'll cause a lot of defenders problems this season. She can score goals as well as provide them. So uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be a good season for her. The overall assessment of United, though, Anne-Marie, based on that performance, I think it's looking more, more positive for them than I might have thought originally. What's your prediction for the season for them? It's a really interesting story. A newly promoted side 
coming up to the league and they, 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 they've always prepared behind the scenes like they're a WSL club, right, Kieran? They, they, they've always had the same amount of investment, attitude towards, you know, training, towards gym work, towards everything else going on, on in the background. But where do we realistically see United by the end of the season? Well, no, that, that was the exact point I was going to make when it comes to my prediction. That's why I'm not worried about the fact I think they'll finish more on the top half of the table. I'm going to put United at, at fourth I think, for this season. I think against Chelsea and, and Arsenal, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. But I think fourth, fourth or fifth, I think, would be fairly respectable for them. Are you going to go higher or lower, Kieran? Higher or lower? I, I feel like it should be a game of uh, prices. Was <laughs> it? Prices the, the, the right. Prices right. Or play your cards I, right. I, yeah. I can't remember which one <laughs> it is. Like that. Show, show my age a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I have them finishing about fifth or sixth. I think they'll be mid-table. I think they'll be fine. I think even Casey Stoney has been asked the question a few times. Are you guys contenders? And she has outright said, no, we're not. We're not at that, that level yet. We are a promoted club. We need time to adjust to this league. There are teams above us who have bigger budgets than, than we do. It sounds crazy to think that Manchester United don't have the budgets of, of the likes of Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal. But at the moment, they don't. They're not in that, in that position where they are in a luxurious position of being able to rely on copious amounts of money. So uh, I think fifth or sixth for them would be a good season. I think there are teams around them, the likes of Reading, who, who have a lot of experience in their team, who will be looking to finish in that top four position. But I think I think United will be fine. Well, if that game won the battle of the attendances, the next game won, I think, the battle of the atmosphere because there was a lot going on at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Kieran, you were at the game, as was I, as was Anne, Anne-Marie. There was less of a crowd, just under 25,000 at Stamford Bridge and just a goal separated Chelsea and Tottenham on the score sheet. Another great goal as well from Beth England, just four minutes on the clock, another left footer. Again, great to see these in the in the WSL. Uh, newly promoted Spurs held off the opposition well, but Chelsea will be disappointed not to have made the most of their opportunities. Uh, a 1-0 home win for them at Stamford Bridge. So just under 25,000 saw that one, Kieran. Um, compare that to the just over 30, 1,000 that saw uh, City versus United at the Etihad. What went wrong because over 40,000 tickets were allocated and we were building ourselves up for an attendance record? Because before the game, we had everything. We had the carnival atmosphere. We had clackers going on. We had Marvin Humes DJing. We had everything going on. Chelsea put, put a big spectacle on here. But it ended up a bit in terms of attendance. Yeah, I wrote a piece for The Athletic about this and this was ahead of, of the first round of fixtures and, and my view is that when you offer something for free, you're not applying the value of the product of the field on the field uh, and that allows people to have an excuse to to not turn up. For over 15,000 people not to attend the match was was disappointing. I credit those that, that did, the near, near 25,000. It was busy outside the stadium beforehand. It looked very full when you actually went in, but obviously there were the scatterings of empty seats around the stadium as well. But it gives people an excuse when you don't apply a value to your ticket. When you give something away for free, it's easy to get up in the morning and say, ah, do you know what? I don't really fancy it. I mean, there was no excuse for the weather. It was the sunshine was beaming down on the stadium. And I really don't know what what people thought about in terms of not turning up. Unfortunately, what you're going to get is with with situations of offering free tickets is that you will get people applying, whether they live in London, whether they live in Manchester, whether they live in Scotland, whether they live in Wales, 
and it, they may apply on the off chance that they fancy going on that weekend or on that day. And if they get to that, that day or that weekend and actually they find that they've made other arrangements or they've made other plans, they're not going to go. And well, because they've not spent any money, they don't lose out. Yeah. They missed Marvin Humes and his DJ set. So, you they know, did. more fool them. Can I just say, because I live outside London, I travelled in for the game. On the train home, there was quite a few families on because the, they had those massive Chelsea balloon things that kept clacking away. There were families sitting on the train heading out towards, you know, Essex and Suffolk, where I live, who had come in all that way. The trains were running. There was no engineering work on my line, which is normally happens most weekends. And the tube lines were all running, as far as I know, pretty much a good service yesterday. So transport, which is normally the issue when it comes to these things, wasn't an issue yesterday. And as you rightly say, Kieran, it was a glorious sunny day yesterday. I can't believe everybody decided to stay home and watch the ashes. So where were they? <laughs> they certainly yeah, didn't want to yeah. be watching the ashes, did they? And, you know, also lack of international football mm. on some lower league games, but not loads. So, yeah, you know, poor excuse, certainly. Kieran, let's talk about the performance rather than Marvin Humes or the amount of people who turned up to Stamford Bridge. So Chelsea, good, but not great. I felt they lacked a little level up. And that worried me a little bit because they were playing at Stamford Bridge in front of that big crowd and I wanted all-out assault. And I, especially the second half, it just felt a bit lacklustre to me. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that we've got to consider with this opening weekend is that a lot of these players haven't been with their club in the week leading up to the start of the season. There was obviously an international break. So a number of these players across the league, not just at Chelsea, but a number of players have been with their respective national teams. So I can't imagine that preparation has been that easy for head coaches. But look, Chelsea went ahead early in the past. We'd maybe expect them to build on that. We've seen them you know, really punish teams 4-5-0. But it just wasn't to be. And actually, I think credit to Tottenham. They, they at times, had 11 players behind the ball. But once they settled and, and clearly got used to the, the higher level, I actually thought they had a few chances. Kit Graham had a couple of chances. Rachel Furness had a chance as well. Becky Spencer made, obviously made some good saves. Uh, but I, I think credit to Tottenham that they, were much like Manchester United, were, made to, were able to make that step up. And maybe Emma Hayes set up for a team like Spurs who are newly promoted. Perhaps she didn't think that they were going to get the strongest test from them. Uh, well, we managed to uh, catch up with Emma after the game. Here's her press conference talking about why the 1-0 win is actually a positive. I know how hard it is to get three points and I'm telling you, every inch of my being, I've worked for days where games are 1-0 like this from top to bottom. This, is, this isn't a case of, oh, I think one team will run. No, it won't be like that, I promise you. I do this every day. The, the levels are going to change. You saw it with Man United and Man City yesterday. This is exactly what we want because you cannot build the game unless the product is right. This would have been a disaster if it had been 6 or 7 nil. Thanks very much to Tom Dean there who was able to grab that audio from the press conference for us. Does she make a good point, Kieran, or is that just a bit of spin doctoring there from Emma? No, I think it's, uh, I think it's a good point. Uh, we don't want the opening weekend of the season to be lopsided in favour of the big clubs. The the Women's Super League, unfortunately, has is in a position where people see City, Arsenal and Chelsea as the dominant clubs and everyone else is going to be playing catch-up. We don't want a position that we have in other leagues like in Germany and in France where one or two clubs dominate and everyone else is, is kind of almost there to make up the numbers, which sounds disrespectful and I hope it, I don't intend to be, but Teams like Lyon and Paris Saint-Germain and Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich go into their respective fixtures some weeks knowing that they are going to win and they're going to win comfortably. So I agree with Emma. We don't want 
uh, five, six, seven nil thrashings in the Women's Super League. We want it to be seen as competitive. And what we saw in the, in the opening weekend was a draw and five victories. And those victories were only by a single yeah, goal. So that, that for me is really positive. Anne-Marie, Beth England uh, with the only goal in this game. She was last season's top scorer for Chelsea. Percival's lost it. Here's England. Oh! A stunner. Last season's top scorer off the mark. Inside four minutes and it is a beautiful goal from Bethany England. And I have to say, Lindsay Hoop is going to take credit for this and I'll tell you why. She texted Beth before the game to wish her luck and Beth texted back to say thank you and Lindsay said, make sure you score a goal. <laughs> so I know Lindsay's going to take the credit for that. No doubt about it. She got her first two England caps uh, last week, works really hard for the side. Is she reaching her peak? She's 25, so she's not a new kid on the block at all. But is she reaching her physical peak? Do you think, what's the difference in Beth England that we're seeing? I think she's just, I don't know if she's peaking now. I think she's just entering that phase of starting to peak, I think. And I think playing for England, being part of that England setup, has definitely helped. It's given her a lot more confidence going forward because that reaction... When she scored the goal, she came running away, didn't she? Halfway down the pitch to go down touchside and hug all the, the coaches and what have you. And doing, knee it, it, doing the knee slide, yes. which I can never do. Well, which she said afterwards, I've never done a knee slide. Yes. I don't know what got into me, but being there we Stanford go. Bridge, I think being around yeah, that atmosphere, possibly. everyone cheer. I mean, to get that goal at Stamford Bridge is amazing. That's something she's never, ever going to forget. So, And for me, I was literally, I literally looked down for a second and looked up. Next thing I know, I can see the ball flying over it and then she scored her goal. Fantastic. I mean, Phil Neville's going to be delighted that he's got somebody else now within the England setup who can score goals like that. Yeah, really Very good. much so. Let's look at some positives um, for Spurs who um, held up really well, didn't they, defensively against Chelsea, stopped them from scoring more. And, 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 and I didn't, I actually thought that they would fall away earlier than they did couple of positives for me. Gemma Davison worked really hard. She's the standout player for she them. She did not stop moving, did she? She, she was didn't. constantly going. Although she did tire towards mm. the end of the game. But without someone like Gemma Davison, and she's lost some, 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 she's a fantastic player, but she's lost some pace, hasn't she, Kieran? If she gets injured or she can't play every game, are Spurs in trouble? Uh, no, I don't think they're in trouble. I think we saw enough from them against Chelsea to suggest that they can be competitive in the league. I think what we've... You know, I have huge respect for for Tottenham and and the job that the coaching staff have done because I mean we spoke to to Jenna Skilacci, the captain, after the game, and and Jenna's going into her eleventh season with Tottenham, which means for the majority of her career she's been playing in the third tier of English football, and and she, along with a few of her teammates who haven't played at this level, they didn't look overall, they didn't mm-hmm. look out of place in in the Women's Super League against a team that got. Let's remember they got to the semi-finals of the Champions League last year, Chelsea. And they almost beat Leon, who went on to win the Champions League and are recognised as the best team in the world. So for Tottenham to come away with a 1-0 defeat and, as I say, create some chances, they didn't just sit back and defend for 90 minutes. Uh, I think they'll be all right. Look, they, they need players like Gemma Davison and Becky Spencer and players who've got international experience and women's Super League experience. Siri Vorm, the Dutch international, is another one. Uh, but I think I think they'll be okay. But of course, look, I, I still think that Gemma Davison on the ball and dribbling at defenders is still one of the best in yeah, Europe. She she's ridiculous. Mm. You know, she's got so much technical ability. Yes, yeah, she's lost a little bit of pace, but they won't rely on her. Uh, they got promoted without her last season, and I'm sure that the rest of the squad will will make up for for any absences that you know that occur if she's not available. What I liked about Spurs yesterday, and I'm an Arsenal fan, as as most people know, but I was really impressed with them. Is they figured it out. I think after that goal. 
things, as you just said, it, things started to settle and then they figured out how to neutralise Xi. They figured out how to start defending better in front of the goal because there were several shots that hit the woodwork yesterday and that the goalkeeper for Spurs did an amazing job. And that's what I like. They started to figure out where they could sort of suffocate Chelsea. And I think that's why Chelsea could not get that second goal. And they definitely tested them. So they are going to be a team that is going to be able to test the big teams for sure. OK, well, those are the two big matches done. Up next, we'll discuss the reigning champions, Arsenal, and we're speaking with Brighton manager Hope Powell. You're listening to the Offside Rule, WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. It's the Offside Rule WSL edition with me, Kate Borsay, joined by Kieran Tabum and Anne-Marie Batson. Let's talk the another London derby and another quality goal to kick things off at Boreham Wood as reigning WSL champions Arsenal took on West Ham. There was another one for the home side before the break, before West Ham pulled one back and could have got another. It finished 2-1 to Arsenal in the end. Great game for Beth Mead, goal scorer and then provider. Could she flourish with Meadamar out, Anne-Marie? I think so. I think so. We know how brilliant across all the ball is Beth Mead is from the World Cup and you you know being able to do that now for her team domestically is fantastic and for her to get that goal as well I think she's going to be very key and the thing is I think Arsenal fingers crossed would have learnt lessons from last season when you know half their team were pretty much injured for a long period of time over the winter time in the winter season I think they would have lessons would have been learnt about that so now they've got other players who can step into the breach I think once you know, Miedemar is back. It ups Arsenal's level even more. But it's it's comforting to know now that Jordan Nobbs is coming back and now we've got Beth Mead and we've got Jill Rod that there is a plan B in place if key players are not able to deliver as they can. Well, you mentioned Jill Rod, new signing, Netherlands international. Um, she scored Arsenal's second and they do look strong in attack, as Anne-Marie says. Don't they? Although we need to work out a headline now, by the way, for when Jill actually roars. Yeah. We need to come up with the Jill Rod. Perhaps you can save that for a article for the for the athletic broad awakening well i was thinking of yeah maybe um we will work on that um <laughs> but in terms of the new signing for arsenal how does she fit in are there any issues there for you in terms of the talent that they've got and making it all work together yeah i'm interested to see where arsenal fits her in because uh, the world cup and and for the netherlands uh, serena Wiegman has a, a habit of playing jill out on the left hand side if lika martins is not available or is maybe not having the best game she'll usually replace lika out on that left hand side i'm kind of interested to see what joe montemuro does with with jill because for me her best her best play and her best position is in the middle you know you're looking at the number 10 but she's got a hell of a lot of competition in that number 10 and and in that midfield role uh, you know you've got Kim Little who's one of the best players in the world you've then got the likes of Jordan Nobbs and Daniela van der Donk who like to get forward so it's a it's a really good signing for Arsenal she's very exciting Jill she's super talented I think what Joe has probably done is he's brought in players like Jill to to add depth to the squad. Um, she won't necessarily start every week, but she's going to be an important player for them. But a goal on your opening, opening game, it's not a bad way to start. <laughs> but uh, yeah, interested to see. I think obviously, as I say, she's played out left for the Netherlands. Maybe that versatility is something that Arsenal are looking at as well. But for me, you have to play through the middle, but there's a lot of competition there. Well, you've just called Kim Little the best player in the world. And we do like to provide our listeners with the best player in the, in the world, trademarked by Kim in Tavum. Uh, let's chat to someone actually at the game. Yes, that's right. Arsenal captain Kim Little. Kim, some really competitive games across the WSL this weekend, including your own. Give us your perspective on the game. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's a good three points for us to start the season. But yeah, very competitive match. I think we controlled the majority of the first half and the start of the second, but that West Ham come back 
into it and scored a very good good header. Um, but yeah, we, we stayed strong towards the end of the game and managed to see it out. But yeah, it was a very competitive game and like many of the other games, not many, very many high scoring games this weekend. Yeah, many people are tipping you to do the same as you did last season and top the league this season. So quite a lot of pressure on you I suppose does that does that take its toll even though you probably try not to listen to it do do people's expectations particularly because this season's more in the spotlight than any other is that pressure something you have to be really sort of careful about managing yeah I think um, definitely you need to be careful about I think it's definitely something I personally thrive off of I think having that pressure to play and to perform and to stay at the top is you know why we play and why you know we and do what we do. So yeah, it's. I think it's to be in that position. You've obviously had to do something, something good, which for us is winning the league last year. So um, you know, we would rather be at the top and have that pressure than anywhere else. And hopefully, we can keep as calm as possible and play as good as football as we did last year to to retain the title. It's certainly going to be a tough season, I know that. Great to have Jordan Nobbs back. She made her competitive return in the game. And yeah. some great new signings for Arsenal as well. But I'm just curious to know who has been the loudest so far. Who's going to keep us entertained here of all your new signings? Because I've because I've oh. heard a few whispers. A few whispers. <laughs> it's a few of the new signings are fairly, fairly quiet. I think there's a good mix. We've got a few cameras. I think Manu, our new goalkeeper, in, um, is very you know vocal and outgoing and then we've got a good mix with Leo and Jenny as well they're a bit calmer and <laughs> um, a little more subtle but yeah um, we've signed some, you know, some very very good strong players who've, who've added to our squad this year which I think we needed off the back of last year because I think um, our squad was maybe a little bit too thin at times so mm. um, yeah they've been great additions and obviously four of them starting in the game yesterday you know shows what impact they've had in pre-season. You've got a busy time ahead because you're travelling to Italy, aren't you, for Thursday? We are, yeah, Wednesday. Oh, well, yeah. Yes, yeah. So you've got the game against Fiorentina, who finished second in Syria on Thursday. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? How do you manage being in the Champions League? And I suppose, how exciting is it? Because you've been, what, out of it for about five years or so. So decide making a, making a return to that competition. Yeah, I think it's extremely exciting for us to be back in the Champions League. Um, it's come around fast, obviously, in the first week of the season to have our game, the first leg of it on Thursday. Um, but you know, that's we want it, we want to be in the Champions League. We want to be playing against you know the best teams, and we hope that we can um, you know manage obviously this week as well as we can with three games within I think eight or nine days. So um, it's a tough start to the season, but you know we're glad to be in the Champions League, and we hope we can um, you know do as well as Chelsea and Man City have done all over the past few. Kim Little, Arsenal captain there. Quick word on West Ham. Martha Thomas with the trademark header for the side. Um, signed by Matt Beard from La Havre, but grew up in Dorset. And, you know, again, another player developed her game in the US. She looks very versatile. And of course, then um, a bit of a comeback from West Ham in the final 20 minutes. They put the pressure on, didn't they? West Ham, I'm never surprised by West Ham because I think for me, they are a team that will cause you problems. And I think they are a team that if you, if you allow, if you allow the team to make a mistake, they will pounce on that mistake and then go for it. They are proper warriors and they are scrappers. They like a physical game. So I'm not surprised that they were able to, to get a goal back against Arsenal. They're not a team to be walked over, I think, because they, they show up every time. They put in a good fight. And, you know, I think Matt Beard's done a wonderful job 
with West Ham for the team that they are. For me, West Ham and Reading and Birmingham are the three that can give teams real problems, I think, in the Barclays FAWSL. Yeah, they've got some interesting personnel there. We don't have time to go into them now, but I'm sure in a later podcast we can dissect uh, some of the new signings turning up at uh, West Ham. One of them, by the way, we must mention because we need to do a bit of a pronunciation guide for this one. It's Jacinta Gallabadarachi, who's got the longest name in the WSL, it's I longer think. longer than mine. My full surname is Tava Manahara and it's longer than mine. That's the first time I've heard you say that, yeah. really. Yeah. So we're going to all together now practice saying her name. This isn't how you should do it. Jacinta Gallabadarachi. It's Jacinta Gallabadarachi. Yeah, Gallabadarachi. 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 Bada, Gala Badarachi. Gala Badarachi. Yeah. Astounding work from both of our uh, studio guests yeah. today. We'll work on it, folks, shall we? <laughs> OK, well, let's move on to Liverpool. Reading, a Farrah Williams free kick was the difference here. Some good flashes uh, from a more grounded Liverpool side, but Reading, who finished fifth last season, were the better side, running out 1-0 winners. Kieran Farrah is back. A great goal from her, from quite some distance out, actually. I didn't I didn't check. Yeah, about 25 yards out. It was Farrah Williams doing Farrah Williams things, wasn't it? We're used to seeing her score those long ranges for Reading. And I think close game, again, as we saw across the, the fixtures at the weekend. But I think Reading have that little bit more quality that, that would overcome a team like Liverpool. I think Liverpool will... I hate to say it, I think they might struggle a little bit this year. Uh, made some good additions, really like the addition of Melissa Lawley. I think yeah. it's an opportunity for her to to kind of get going again after a difficult spell at the end uh, for Manchester City. But yeah, not surprised by Reading going there and, and grabbing a narrow victory. Well, it's five years since Liverpool last won the WSL, Anne-Marie. They, they lost a host of their star players, didn't they? And the club sort of um, fell down and was at a bit of a loss with everything. There is some renewed optimism at the club. And, you know, despite Kieran's downbeat opinion of them, they do start this season better in a better shape than, than they were last season. Vicky Jepson, the manager there at the helm, can they make a bigger impact on the league this season or is it going to be a case of them being drowned out by some of the bigger clubs? Well, I think the key is, is Vicky Jepson, the fact that she came in halfway through the season, last season, so to speak. And now this season, this is her first full season to be able to implement the plans that she wants to do. I think I'm kind of with Kieran on this one. I think they are going to be one of the teams that are going to struggle this season. Uh, but for you know, but for Liverpool again, they are fighters, they are scrappers, and I think having somebody like, um, and I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce her name correctly, Rinsola Babajide. Yeah, I think she's quite key for them. If they can keep her fit and they can keep her healthy, she will be the person I hope will drive Liverpool forward. But this, I think, a lot of eyes are on Vicky Jepson this season to see what she can deliver for the team as the coach and manager. Well, the other game on Saturday saw Bristol City play Brighton at Ashton Gate. A crowd of over 3,000 showed up for the game, which ended goalless after a contentious penalty awarded to Brighton was saved by Bristol City keeper Sophie Bagley. Nil-nil then, Kieran, but an entertaining game, this one. Yeah, I have to be honest. I, uh, being at the Etihad, I haven't seen all of the game. I've only seen some highlights, but I think nil-nil didn't necessarily reflect the chances that were created from what I saw. Uh, look, the, I think Bristol and Brighton, as the scoreline reflects, aren't that far away from each other. I personally would have expected Bristol City to come away with a victory. Obviously, they've clearly got away with one with Sophie Bagley saving a penalty as well. But always difficult, as I've said, the first game of the season, I think it's difficult to judge what level teams are at. But a point for both teams is, is better than 
coming away with nothing and starting the season with zero points. Yeah, totally. Bristol City, a couple of uh, uh, chances late on, though, could have got a late winner in the game. Brighton, we said, would be in a bit of a relegation battle this year. It is, you know, tough at that club for them. A thought from you on both teams, Anne-Marie? I expected Bristol to come out firing. Actually, they are they are a team that they love a battle and they can score and they can give teams trouble. I like Sophie Bagley. I've met her a couple of times. I've interviewed her. I think she's a real delight. I think she's a real star for that team. I think she's going to be key for them. And I really like the manager as well. Tanya Oxtoby, I think, is, is fantastic in the way that she's a philosophy of, of what she wants to do with Bristol City. Fantastic. They had it at Ashton Gate as well for them. I'm not worried about Bristol City at all this season. I think they're going to finish around about mid-table. We're here to discuss Brighton's prospects for the season and that game against Bristol City. Brighton manager Hope Powell. It was a tough start to last season, wasn't it? Four straight losses in a row. So how important is it now that the side starts off with a point and you can build from here? Absolutely. So it's a 100% improvement, certainly on last year with, with the opening game. So, you know, we have to be pleased with that. It, it gives us something to build on. Um, we have a tough fixture, you know, again on Sunday, but I believe all, all the games will be tough this season. But the fact that we didn't concede w- was really pleasing. Um, we created enough chances, just that final little bit that, that we have to be better at if, if we're to pick up more points going forward. Next up, as you mentioned, it's Chelsea. How are you mm. going to counter their attacking threat? Because this is a different prospect, I suppose, from a team who will be buoyant after the Stamford Bridge experience. Absolutely. We, we definitely have to be, um, you know, full throttle, you, you know, be really, really disciplined. We, we appreciate that probably they will have more of the ball than we will, but we recognise the task ahead of us. They're, they're a very, very good side. Every single player is an international. So we, we will try and make life as difficult as we can as possible for them. Certainly we'll be at home, so hopefully we'll, we'll get the, the crowd and the spectators supporting us to give us that little bit more energy going forward. Yeah, and for the season as a whole, more spotlight on the WSL this year, more than any other after the back of the mm. successful World World Cup as well. In terms of where Brighton are and you handling things there, are you feeling like you've got enough resource there to be able to be competitive against some of the sides who do have bigger budgets than you? How does, how does yourself and a club like Brighton try and give a good account of yourselves, bearing in mind some of the resources aimed at other clubs and also trying to get on and look after your own business, if you see what I mean. Yeah, well, well, to be honest, the club have been fantastic. Um, They've been really, really supportive. I think all all the things that that they've put in place, the foundations are set. The owner, the chief exec, we we recognise that it is a a project going forward. So we want to build in a way that it's sustainable over time, get the right people into the club, while perhaps our budgets might not be as big as everybody else, I think it's 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 more than that. I think it's laying the foundations so that the next generation of players coming through have a really good baseline to start with, looking at homegrown talent. So mm-hmm. I am really pleased. We we know it's going to be very very tough. And that's the task we've all been set, but we're we're prepared for it in the best way we can be. The the club have been really supportive they've been brilliant actually so we're we're just trying to build things we've brought in new players 
who have fitted in. We we played well yesterday. We didn't concede. We've got a point on the board. And it's just putting those blocks in place to do better and better year in, year out. The priority this year, obviously, again, is to do better than we did last last year and ultimately stay in the week, in the league while we recognise that it's going to be tougher than last season because of the teams that are now in the league with Man United and Tottenham. So the task is bigger and tougher, but we knew that. Hope how Brighton manager there. One match to go then, and it was a 1-0 win for Everton over Birmingham. A deflected Keris Harrop own goal gave Everton their first ever win in an opening weekend of a WSL season. There you go. Uh, not the most scintillating of matches, mind, um, but Everton will take it as we predict a pretty tough season ahead for them. But what about Birmingham? Does this match show just how they've lost the influence of Ellen White and several other players, it has to be said, leaving the club this summer, Kieran. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit fearful for Birmingham, uh, and I I know there are Birmingham fans that will will feel like they've heard that a lot in the lead up to the season. I think when you lose a goal scorer like Ellen White, you lose a linchpin of your defence like Aoife Mannion and and other players as well. It leaves you a little bit short, and they have they have replaced some of those players. Uh, they they've brought in some. You know, some good, uh, experienced individuals. I, I like the fact that they've brought in Brianna Vasali. I've met Bri a couple of times and, and interviewed her. And she's a typical American, very enthusiastic, uh, you know, very positive about the season ahead. But you need to, against an Everton side who who are decent, have made some good additions, but against a team that is likely to be there or thereabouts around you, you need to be getting off, you need to get the season off to a good start. Mm. They've kept Lucy Staniforth, though, who wanted to leave, right? They have. They have. And I wonder how long it will be before she's the next one. Because ultimately, Lucy has got ambitions to play for England. And I'm sure ambitions to be at the Euros in 2021. And if you're playing in a struggling side, it always makes that a little bit more difficult. But, mm. you know, you need to keep hold of some of your better players. Because I want Birmingham to be competitive. We said it earlier on. The last thing I want is for this to be a lopsided Women's Super League. I want Birmingham to do well. I... I I think if you ask ask people, they'll say, yeah, I think they'll finish near the top or I think they'll finish near mid-table. I think they'll finish near mid-table when you're speaking about different clubs. Very few people want to be able to predict the bottom positions because you want everyone to do well. Well, here's your kit story of the weekend. The Birmingham keeper had to wear an Everton training top for this game because the Birmingham goalie shirt clashed with Everton's away kit madness. So there was a grey and orange thing going on here and a very bizarre uh, goalie kit too. But that is the story behind that. And also shouts out to Birmingham. They may have a slightly troubled future ahead. Let's let's hope not. But they have got the best sponsor this season, Maple Syrup. Uh, let's <laughs> hope it, it's going to be a sweet season ahead, folks. Oh, yes. All right. Well, that's all we have time for. And I'll look back on the first weekend of the WSL. We've got some Champions League action on Thursday as Arsenal face Fiorentina and and uh, Man City travel to Lugano in Switzerland. And then the fixtures for next weekend on Sunday. Everton take on Bristol City. Reading, Manchester City. Brighton take on Chelsea. It's Spurs against Liverpool. West Ham against Birmingham City. And then on Monday night, it's Manchester United versus Arsenal. We'll be back with you. We're going to cover that Man United-Arsenal game and then record straight after that. So it's going to be a late one for us, but all the better for you listeners. Uh, in the meantime, whilst you wait for that, uh, do let us know what you think uh, by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And please do spread the word to those you know and make sure that you're subscribed. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Offside Rule Pod. 
for more from across the week. Plenty of WSL articles going up every day there. Join us uh, on the Offside Rule on Thursdays. That's our regular show for more from the wider world of football. Kieran and Anne-Marie, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure you'll be back at some point during the season. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week then, listeners, goodbye. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com.